Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gellner. Women are being called to lead with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each week, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Hello, my extraordinary women friends. Happy holiday season. I am starting to feel the spirit of the season. The lights are up. The Christmas tree is up, and I've even gotten a few presents wrapped under the tree. My team and I have been onboarding new clients for our 2023 mastermind programs, something that I love to do. It's the Soul Plus Strategy Mastermind or the Scale and Grow and Impact Mastermind for Six Figure Plus Entrepreneurs. So we have some extraordinary women joining our circle, and they, of course, are impact focused. They've got big goals and big dreams for 2023, and it just makes me so happy to see these visions take shape. I am always so proud of my clients and what unfolds over the course of the year that we get to work together. I always am just blessed to get to work with the women that I get to work with. And I love to get to know the new clients and then start introducing them to the alumni clients and just letting the spark start to to take place. We've got a 2023 planning retreat coming up to kick off the new year, and then we'll be all in for the ride together. If 2023 is your year to level up your business, if you are ready to raise up your voice, your visibility, and set the foundation for growing and scaling your business, jump out to coachingwithcami.com and apply for one of my Raise Up Strategy sessions. This is really just a, a low-key way for us to get to know one another on a better level and also just to see if one of these programs might be a fit for you. It's not a hard sales call. It's just a real conversation around what you're wanting to make happen in your business and we can see if it's a fit. And speaking of planning retreats, I'm going to be doing a public planning retreat on December 20th. I will be taking you through the same annual planning that I do in my own business, weaving together some soul and some strategy. And when we weave those two pieces together, we really ignite a spark in our business and our life as well. And that really helps build a business we love and a life we love. Over the course of this 90-minute planning retreat, You'll do some inner wisdom listening to your heart and your soul, and you'll learn new business strategies to amplify and simplify your business success and impact in 2023. I will put the link to register for this event in the show notes, or you can go out to https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash soul strategy 2023. So it's a bit.ly URL and it's Soul Strategy 2023. But I'll put the link in my show notes as well so you can grab that. And today's guest has some great contributions to thinking about your 2023. It's perfect timing, particularly as it ties to team in your company. Chris Ward is a team building and system strategist. She is creating a movement where the business supports your life instead of consuming it. Yes, right? It's how do we really build the teams around this? She is the founder of the Win the Hour, Win the Day philosophy. And Chris has shared the stage with Jack Canfield, Kevin Harrington, Sharon Lecter, and even Joe Theismann, the NFL all-star and commentator. You are going to love her wisdom. Let's meet Chris Ward. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio, Chris. It is great to have you here today, and I'm excited to get to know you. 
Oh, thank you. I'm pumped to be here. I can't wait to dive in, Cami. Yeah, yeah. So I, you're, you're up in Canada. Tell us a little bit about where you're at and uh, tell us there. Let's start there. Well, it's a small town. <laughs> so uh, I'm in Canada. I'm on the East Coast where most people are not familiar with, unless you have young girls and you know of Anne of Green Gables, that's where I am now. But I did used to up until recently live on the outskirts in Toronto in another small town. But yes, us Canadians are, unless you are Canadian, our Canadian stories tend to get uh, watered down or don't sound very impressive to the bigger world. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I think we all have interesting stories that we come from, you know, different places. And I'm, I come from a small town and I love small towns. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with your story. You're on a mission to create a movement of businesses that support life instead of consuming life. So how'd you land on this mission? Give us a little bit of your story. Yeah. So when I started my business, like almost 15 years ago now, the first couple of years I was in business, I worked insane hours, right? Like just went nuts. And my husband used to say, I was always stealing from sleep, getting up earlier and earlier and staying later and later. And, you know, wear the badge of, Hey, I'm good. This, I'm going to make this happen. Hard work cannot be any bigger of a compliment. So I thought I was on the right track. And so I was told about the two-year mark that I was starting to lose some of my charm because two years without sleep and you get a little edgy, right? So (laughs) I started to realize that the people were supporting me the most. I'm now becoming short and patient with, and I was like, I was just constantly what, what I call a tired hangover. So really, I went from working 16 hours a day down to six. Now, that did not happen overnight. That's a whole story in its own. But luckily, I did that because it was a couple years after that that my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer. And I was pulled away from the business for about two years. And as a marketing strategist, when I returned, you know, this is the client base I had. I was a marketing strategist. But my client started asking me, like, I mean, nobody knew. Nobody knew what was going on. We didn't think it was good for business. It was also just not how we navigated his journey. We were very positive in nature. So when, after I returned to work after his passing, my existing clients were shocked. They had no idea. idea. Wow. No, they didn't know I was away. The local business community didn't know. Nobody knew. And so they started to say to me, if you could do that, like, how could you have been away? We didn't know if you could do that. Maybe you could help me get to my kids' soccer games and stuff like that. And so I started working with my existing clients under that capacity. And I started to realize really quickly, Cammy, that a lot of the people that needed my help the most, they hadn't been in business five, 10 years. They looked great on paper, but you're still working way more hours than you thought you would be at this point in your journey. And so that led to how can I reach more of you? And I then wrote my book, When the Hour, When the Day. We started the winner's circle. And it really is about having a business that supports your life instead of consuming it because life has interruptions. So you better have a business that supports it instead of consuming it. And I also think that business should be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On to all of those things. And when you think back to some of the core principles that were in place in your business, those those foundational pillars that were in place, what was it that that helped it sustain through that time and actually grow through that time when you were when you'd kind of pulled back? So what was some of the, the key foundations? Yeah, and that's a really important question because as I said, life has interruptions. I mean, let's take the emotion out of this story. 
when my husband passed away, I lost an income. So if I had to then go out and get a job and try to be charming and interview and write a resume and learn a new job, that would have not been a good situation, right? So really what I had done successfully, not even to the capacity of me fully understanding this, is I had really had three pillars. And it was really about your time, your toolkits, and your team. And I had a team in place, um, a very small team, because I'm I'm all about lean, very lean, very tight, very small. I'm not someone telling you you should have five, 10 people or anything like that. But the team does well, the win team, we call it your what is next team, so you can get to what is next. And there is, you know, a hiring uh, thing that we're quite thing, write that down. That's a business word, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. In case you're driving, pull over and write that down. Um, <laughs> so we did, we, we, I mean, I have a lot of success hiring. We've got a 97% retention rate because we do hire for our clients in the winter circle. We're not a hiring agency. It's just one of the services we offer to help you get you going. Right. No, excellent. Yeah. So we, we, we have a whole process of that and we perfected that over the last 12 to 15 years. Great. But what really amplifies that is what we call our super toolkits. And so the super toolkits are, what my clients in the winter circle call systems and processes on steroids, because too often we've all had systems and processes in our business uh, or sorry, in jobs that we've had. And they're really policies and procedures that are not written by the end user. They're static in nature and they're really just there to cover liability. Yeah. I'm going to pause you on this for a moment though, because I think what's, these are great that you've developed these pieces for your clients today. But when you go back to that time, you know, two years into your business, what helped your team? What were the foundations of that time that really helped your business sustain? Yeah. So are you talking about when I went from 16 hours a day down to six? Or are you talking about when I was away? When you were away, yes. Yeah, it was those things. It was the the fact that I had hired these people ahead of time and that we had a certain philosophy, what we we're looking for in, in the hiring. And then it really was the super toolkits that we developed because what we're always looking at, even before this happened, I didn't know we'd have to rely on this so heavily is again, talking about the policies and procedures are very dry. And everyone thinks, oh, I never wanted to do that again. Like I was an employee. <laughs> But our win formula, it's always about you should be in execution mode 60% of the time and admin mode for admit. I should make that sound easier. Admin mode 40% of the time. So you should always be able to get to the next ambition. So the super toolkits I had in play because they're just constantly effective proving your steps and doing more and more work in less time allowed the team to follow proven steps. And I'll be honest, Cammie. When I came back, anybody that's been through a significant amount of grief will know this. Your mind is empty. You yeah, will find you don't it. have any space for anything, right? No, you'll find your keys in the microwave and wondering what was I doing, right? And so I will tell you, it's like a movie. If you ever seen these movies where somebody gets amnesia and they have to go back and rescue their future self or something, I was following my own super toolkits when I came back to work, going like it was brand new scripture to me. Like, okay, <laughs> this is what I do. What and and I'm a very positive person. So we really navigated that journey very positive in nature. Most people were kind enough to say that we had done it as well as it could be expected. But I even said to my team, you have to treat me like an acquired brain injury. Like sometimes they'd say something to me one day and they'd say, well, Chris, we talked about that yesterday. I'm like, I got nothing. And I have a really sharp memory. So when I was going through that, they were all like, I don't know if she should be driving, right? Like <laughs> Because that was so out of character for me. But those super toolkits allowed me to find solace in my work and come to work 
and not ruin my own work and what the team had done while I was away because I, I would fumble or forget things, but I was following my own super toolkits. So I was doing that with the same efficiency when I left, maybe not the same speed, but I would have been, I personally would have been lost without them, but that's what got the team through it as well. And I think that's what's so important about that is that, you know, we all, like you mentioned earlier, we come through times in our businesses where things are going to happen in life. It's going to happen around us. And, you know, we're going to lose somebody we love, or there's going to be, you know, just responsibilities that show up. I mean, there's, you know, the, the, the scenarios are endless of what can happen because, it is life. That is life that's, that, that's going to show up around us. And by having these pillars in place, your business was, it was able to continue to really grow and serve your customers in such a powerful way because you had done some of that initial work. Now, I love that you've taken this and you've really put this into tools for your, your clients and, and, you know, and the, the foundation of your work that you're doing now. So that's, it's really, you know, what a beautiful journey from the perspective of, you know, taking such a difficult time, but also growing and evolving through that time. Yeah. And also to your point, I didn't know how long I would be away. I yeah. didn't know. No, you never very, do. No, it happened very gradually. Like he had chemo. Okay. So now I started missing like two days a week, every second week. And then it was every week and it just grew. And all of a sudden, like you have no idea. So there wasn't even a plan. Okay. This is what's happening. We have to plan for it. Right. So that's the beauty of it as well, as well as like anything with our super toolkits, it can compress or expand. And so often entrepreneurs, small business owners, You're always trying to get, I mean, this is really important. If you hear yourself say, once I get past this next thing, you have a problem (laughs) because you should have clarity and control over what is the next thing. And there's always going to be another thing in the world we live in right now. There's 10 more things behind that. Like whether you have to learn a new platform or this or whatever, whatever is happening, it's, it's such a tech savvy fast paced world there, whatever your business is, is one thing, but then keeping up to how to communicate that to the outside world is a whole thing on its own. And so you have to always be able to say, great, we've done this. Now we can do this in less time or move it. What's next? What's next? Cause that's what an entrepreneur is. It's about getting ideas to execution ideas to execution. It's not about being trapped in the web of admin. Yeah. It's, it's really in the streamlining of, of what we have to do in front of us and simplifying, but having the, the processes defined underneath of that. You know, I've been speaking a lot about time prosperity in my work because, you know, that, that balance between time scarcity and time prosperity, it's, you know, it's real easy for entrepreneurs to fall into the time scarcity where they're, they're going from thing to thing to thing and it's so busy and, you know, and it just becomes a, a way of being, which is not healthy for our beings. And so really finding time prosperity where we start to slow down, where we start to really pay attention to what's going on in our mindset, paying attention to where we have white space, having smart business models that can scale and they're repeatable and processes. All those pieces can start to really shift how we show up into our, in our businesses and I know a lot of your focus is on team, which I love and because I think team is what enables us to have more white space on our, on our calendars. Um, so tell us about, you know, when should somebody start thinking about building a team? 
Well, you know, you, I want to mention, highlight something you mentioned, which I think is so important because I know for myself, I would call myself a recovering Russiaholic. I thought like, let's just go, go, go. And I would show up places and I would be skipping over I things. I would call myself that too. I, rec- I yeah. love it. <laughs> Russiaholic. Yeah. And then I would be smiling at somebody and thinking I'm fooling them and clenching my jaw thinking, can you not talk quicker? I'm in a rush. <laughs> you know, And it changed the energy that I brought into the room. Totally. Right? Totally. We can't be on our back high vibration energy if we're in that mode whatsoever. And I have learned in case anybody doesn't know this, because it has happened more than once when I said to somebody on my team, Evan, who would be so kind to forgive me. I've also learned that you can't ask somebody to speak quicker because you're impatient. <laughs> it does not work. So. No. I'm here to tell you, don't do it. You just spend more time apologizing and that slows you down more. Yes. Right? Yes. So when is a good time to get a team? Well, here's the thing. I say that you're a sufferpreneur and you don't actually have a business till you start getting a team. And I'll tell you the awakening moment for me, Cami. It was many years ago, over 12 years ago. And I was still doing, going at the time, uh, going to offices and I've been having a meeting about, you know, whatever their marketing messaging they want to work on. And I would be making notes and I would promise hand to God that when I got back to my office, I would put these notes in the client's file. Now, I was very much of the mindset, like so many people out there at that point, that once I get to a certain plateau, I can hire. Once I can afford and once I get to this certain thing, certain part on the mountain, not understanding the team gets you to the mountain. But I was like, I'm not ready to hire. And that's a whole thing on its own. What have you? Well, Often these notes would not get into the computer to like this Friday or the next Friday. And sometimes these potential clients would call and they would have questions. And these notes were written for like 20 minutes, not for two weeks. So I would be scrambling, you know, whether I thought I was faking it or not. I'm sure energetically they knew either. And what if I misquoted them? I looked like I was trying to swindle them because they had all these different packages, like questions about their project. No, no, no. I just had bad notes. So I thought we can't do this. So at the time I hired an outsourcer to do transcriptions. We don't even need that anymore with all the auto options that we have, but audio options. But I would leave the meeting, sit in the car, do an audio message into my phone, send her the file right after the meeting with a few notes I had very clear and that would be transcribed. And I don't understand this, but this is what she liked to do. She had like 10 clients. So she was really super fast and she liked doing this. Now, again, we've got so many softwares <laughs> that do this now, but the point of the story is this was my first hire and it got me all of Friday afternoon back. It eliminated mistakes. It took a lot of stress off my plate. And on the weeks I needed her a lot because she was so fast, it cost me about 12 bucks. On the weeks I didn't need her, it cost me nothing. And that's when I was like, this is nuts. It was a game changer for me. And at that point on, I even said to my husband, if you look at me affectionately, I'm going to look at how I can outsource that. Like everything was outsourcing. (laughs) It was like, it just changed the game of, oh, that made me understand that you do need a team and you can afford to hire and it will leverage everything. It will allow you to get to your next ambition and your next one. And so waiting, if you think you are not ready to hire, then you especially need to hire. That's what yeah, I would say. I would, I would agree. And I think that um, when, so, so right now, so many people are in this space of starting to think about their 2023, right? And so this is a great topic for them to be thinking about when you recommend to your clients and to others about, you know, what's the right space to hire in, 
what do you, you know, what kind of advice would you give them? If they're thinking about 2023, it's like, gosh, I should be bringing somebody in. How, do, how can they go about really thinking through that, that idea? Well, you bring up another really good point. And I think you're being generous and ambitious because I think a lot of people don't think about 2023 right now. I think what they do is what I call the Christmas crawl. They think I'll just crawl to Christmas and I'll deal with that in January. Oh God. Right? Things will be different in January. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? It does yeah. make sense, but I would totally agree. It's like, I, I'm just, I'm not there. So it's, um, yeah, but yeah. you're right. But a lot of people do that. They'll say, oh, you know what? Things will be different, whatever. You know, it's like starting a diet on a Monday. Listen, it's Friday night and my whole life's going to be different next Monday. Oh, yeah. No, no. And so you go, oh, yeah. And then they think they'll come back refreshed, which who comes back refreshed from Christmas, but whatever. And it's really like unplugging all the cables in your computer and coming back in January and not knowing like nothing's labeled how to plug it in. So people naively do this a lot. And I call it the Christmas crawl. So I love that you have a better faith in humanity than I do. But I would say a lot of them aren't planning for 2023. They're trying to get to Christmas. That's the finish line. But with your theory in mind, what I would say is some basic things you want to think about is, first of all, hiring a virtual assistant is a, is an amazing option. It's so affordable. It's so, there's just, it's a magical place to be in it business. It really is. Yeah. And, it's, and there's so many good services out there and they're just, they're golden. Yeah, it's wonderful. So we have that. So what I would say is some of the biggest mistakes that people make are, First of all, uh, one thing I would say is no matter how much, you know, you think what you need or how much money you have, I always start somebody off when they're in our winter circle and we find them somebody, I always start off slow. So we want to set somebody up with maybe the first week they work two, three hours a week, whatever. And then we build on that really quickly because you're likely not set up, not ready. The other thing too is be mindful that this virtual assistant doesn't become a dumping ground. So often one of the mistakes people make is like, oh, they hire whatever, Sarah, and then Sarah is like really good when she starts out because she's doing this and this and this. And then you think, oh, she's good at these three things. I'm going to add this. I'm going to add that. And then she's really good at email communication. So I'll have her write some stuff on, you know, for Facebook. And then I have her doing this and that. And not understanding that those are different venues and different avenues. And I'm not proposing that you have 10 people or even five. But what happens a lot of the time is then people come back six months later and say, well, she was really good to start with, but now she's not so good. Well, cause you turned her in from the chef to the sous chef to the hostess. And they're all in the same category of the restaurant, but they have different skill sets. So just blowing that up is a mistake that people often make. Okay. Good. Makes good. sense. Yeah. And it's, as far as like the, the kinds of tasks, when people are starting to think about the kinds of tasks to outsource, what do you recommend? Yeah. So that's a great question, Cammy. So what I would say is, first of all, you would be surprised how much redundancy there is in your work and how much pre and post work totally. there is. When you start capturing that, right, writing that down, you go, oh my gosh. Yeah. So here's an example. Uh, I have a client who's an interior designer and she said, Chris, you don't understand. I just walk into a room. I see it. I move things around. These things cannot be trained. I don't, I can't even deal with an assistant, never mind a team, blah, blah, blah. So we started looking at her work and her average appointment was about an hour and a half to almost two hours. And so we started breaking down some pre and post work that she did there, things she filled out, questions she asked when she was with the client. But when we really looked at it, these were things that could be done administratively before or after. There's always, if you're a brain surgeon, there's pre and post work. Okay. So we did in the winter circle, get her someone and this worked out well. And all of a sudden we get our appointments down to about 45 minutes and she couldn't believe it that 
then she really didn't understand that. So often you think, here's the thing you do, and then it gets expanded a little bit, and you think that's the thing you do. It's like that's connected to the thing you do, but you don't have to do it, right? So we got our meetings down to 45 minutes, changed her, as she said, her life, because now she stacks all her appointments in the morning. Now she's on world stages, speaking events, HGTV, co-hosting things with people from HGTV on big platforms, all this other stuff, which she said she would never have done because she would just take She was too busy. Doing all these appointments. Yeah, and and I think such a brilliant um, example of that. And I think that, and I often teaching my clients to do the thought leadership work where you can't do good thought leadership work, you know, and putting your voice out, your message out, if all you're doing is in all the details and don't have time to actually even think about the work that you put out into the world. So, so important, really, really good. What is the biggest myth about team building? Well, I want to just piggyback on what you said, Cammie, because it's really important. You can't, first of all, the biggest ideas in humanity and evolution, all the things that came as far as the world evolving has comes and have often come in times of rest or play. And you can't do it when you're running around a rush getting to the next thing. It's not how the creative brain works. So you are so right. You don't have the bandwidth, bandwidth for that when you're doing that. So, uh, to that, I'll openly admit, what did you just ask me? What's some of the, the things? That the biggest you- myth around building a team. Yeah, I think the biggest myth is that here's one, and, and I understand why people fall into this, is what happens is they think I don't have time for this because you think you're going from what most of the outside corporations do, I'd say 90% of them, is what happens is you hire someone and then you have to monitor their work like a parent to a child, a teacher to a student. And that creates a whole new job. That's how why we have all this extra expenditures and bigger companies and we've got a manager. And so the way we have it set up with the super toolkits and the way the wind teams are set up is they work independently. And then we have also these scrums that we work in. So it really moves all the work forward really quickly. So what happens is they really, the work gets constantly compressed. And if anything else, not only can they work independently, but they can actually really support and manage you. And so the misconception of this is going to take me extra time because now I have to supervise all these people in a way, it's a myth, but in a way, I know why you earned that myth because that's how you let it happen. <laughs> that's and that's how a lot of the bigger companies are wasting money. Very few people do it the way that we do it, and so that's where it's like I don't have time to hire somebody because I don't have time to manage them. It's quicker to do it myself. Yeah, and I think that some of it also is that learning to let people support you in a way. Um, that's another piece that you're, you know, you're kind of hitting on is letting people support you in a way where it takes things off of you and it's taking less of you because they're, you're hiring the right quality of people to be able to support you. Yeah. And with super toolkits or effective systems and processes, then you're not relearning things. And so, I mean, here's another great example. Uh, it was just last Christmas and it was like two weeks before and, and the world was still kind of chaotic with what was open and not open and all this foolishness. And uh, somebody on my team who had been with us for almost two years was now given notice that she was moving from the Philippines to Canada to go to college. She had applied like a year and a half earlier and all of a sudden whoop, you're going in two weeks. So here we are two weeks before Christmas. I was also at the same time asked to do a four-hour speaking gig for somebody else that had pulled out with all this going on. And it was really kind of customized. So I had to really focus on building that. I had the material, but I put it together. If you practice it twice, that's eight hours, right? (laughs) So 
all of a sudden I have somebody leaving who's been on our team for two years. I is two weeks to Christmas. I have the speaking gig. I did what I do. I went out. I hired somebody because we have these super toolkits. Just pick it up. Just trained Mora in hours and handed over super toolkits. When I met with Mora in the first second week of January, she was at ninety percent capacity. Yeah, there was Isn't no, that so good. Yeah, it wasn't like you know when you get those emails. Oh, Chris, I'm so sorry, I missed your email. We hired new admin, or I was on holidays. There's always something knocking over the apple cart, and that's when you were a sufferpreneur. That's not when you're running a business. Yeah, it's. I just went through a, a big change where we had um, team members switch up over the summer. And uh, around the podcast side of things, and we didn't miss a beat because we we had the the processes documented. Somebody came in that could pick it up, and it you know it worked really beautifully. And you just those those processes are such a good thing to have documented for all aspects of your business. And I certainly don't have all aspects of my business documented, but we we're. we're the, my VA is really good at doing documentation. And so she's, you know, the, where we have those gaps, she's creating those. And it feels so good to know that those are there. It just gives you a different base to work from. Oh, and it just it gives you a freedom and it gives you just an excitement to focus on, you know, as my clients will have to say in the winter circle, I've helped them. They, well, they say emotionally, I gave them their life back, but more than that, they fell back in love with their business. And I wanted something earlier that you mentioned, Cami, too, which I think is a really good point is where do you start with when you hire a VA? And so often people make that much more complicated than it is. And I would tell you that you can just use something like Loom, which is screen capture, or there's so many of them out there. And when you go to do something that you're doing, just hit screen record maybe talk while you're doing it, just as you're doing it. And they can turn that into rudimentary systems and processes. Yeah, that's exactly how I do it. Yeah, so don't, so many people think, oh, they need two weeks to take off and then type up all these systems and processes that won't work the moment you start using them because you're doing them from memory. Just as you're working, recording, record it and somebody else can start getting those in place so that you can, what we call, cue it, create, use, and edit it. Nice, nice. What systems do you use to kind of keep track of all of your processes? Yeah, it doesn't really matter what you use. It's kind of, I, that's my personal belief. I, what I would say to you though, is keep it simple. Like there's so many software programs that are coming out there now. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But if you, <laughs> I fir- firmly believe that a, it should be very inexpensive. Anything that we're teaching people in the window circle, it's either free or next to free. Now you do have to spend a little bit of money on a project management platform, but it should, it should really be something that you think, oh, I would spend twice that. So keep it low cost and don't have, because I fell prey to this many, many times back in the day where this new software is going to change my life. I just need four months to learn and master it and all this other stuff. So there's some pretty complicated ones out there. I don't encourage that. I happen to use Basecamp. It's very simple, very clear. ClickUp has won a lot of rewards right now, but just keep it simple. And if you have to learn it and spend six weeks learning it, then that's not the time. Yeah. We keep it in Asana and then we have links out to Google drive, which is just real simple. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And I, and I agree. Keep it simple. So tell me what the biggest mistake, what has been that, that you've made when in building your teams? Oh, well, how long do we have? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think in the beginning, the biggest mistake I made, and I try to stop people from this because it's so frustrating, is you would hire somebody 
And when we were not as effective and had not cultivated the super toolkits and stuff, you'd make the mistake of sending somebody some work. You know, God helped me way back when dinosaurs were roaming the earth, they didn't even have these project management platforms and it was through email. So I'd ask somebody to do something and then they'd hit you back two days later saying, well, I don't have the password for this because that password works every day, but Tuesday and you're like, and you're irritated by them going, I don't even know what we're talking about now. (laughs) What was that? And you have to chase the email. So I guess the biggest mistake, it was me being a rushaholic doing a dump and dash. Here's some work I want you to do. I'm hoping that you're smarter than me and you'll figure it out. And being irritated when you say, I don't know what we're doing two days later. And I was still the bottleneck and choking it. And I thought this somehow would take care of itself. And I think that's still when what I call being in hysterical mode because you're in panic, (laughs) you're drowning and you're in panic. So you hire somebody because somebody says, do this. And then you, you don't, you're not, not only are you not set up, but you don't, you're just not even treating yourself well. And I did always think I could outrun the clock and just be efficient and stuff like that. Um, and so that really slowed me down until I understood how to use my, A, my calendar as a time bank account instead of a to-do list running against time. And then that allowed me to treat my time Say better. That again, I really like what you just said, using your calendar as a time bank. Okay, so what that means to me is this. So many people, they don't use their calendar. They use a to-do list and they'll put outside forces on their calendar. Like I have to be here. I have this meeting with someone. But they they don't put their work on their calendar. And they'll say to me, but Chris, I do that every day. I don't need to be reminded. And what happens is this. Think about it like... Yeah, you do that every day, that's fine. And you don't want to put in a calendar. So that's like me saying, hmm, my car payment comes out every month, but I know that. So I don't count that. But the money's <laughs> still gone. The money's gone, right? right. So the time is gone. Yes. And what happens is you might be stumbling into a workday that you think you have eight hours, but you may only have five because you're running your business off a to-do list and you're not using your calendar like the highest achievers in the world as a time bank account. Nice. And so then... You're always behind the eight ball. You're always in hysterical mode. And that comes out in how you expect other people to perform too, because you're just rushing around like a crazy person. So then you expect them to get done at that level. And all you're doing is skimming over details. You're not getting any real traction. Yeah, no, it's so good. And I think it's those a lot of that shift. I think even when I think about time prosperity, a lot of that shift for myself when I really shifted out of time scarcity to time prosperity was was a mental shift, right? If, if uh, a bo- embodied shift, where it's like, okay, that, that tension that you get when you talk about being that Russiaholic, it's like that recovering Russiaholic. I like that. It's like, you know, it's like you've let that, that rush go and say, wait a minute, I'm going to move from a different grounded space. And you take time in each thing that you're doing and you're there and you're present and you moved, you know, you finish one thing and you pause and then you move to another. It's such a different shift. And that was a practice that I really had to teach myself. So I think that, you know, this, this rushaholic syndrome that we can have so often in our society and especially as entrepreneurs, because, you know, there's always more that we can do, but to slow down and really be intentional with our movement, the way we show up is, is, is such a beautiful gift. Yeah. You know what, what I have to remind myself when I lapse, cause it is recovery 
is I'm looking for results, not time. And we can't equate time with the fact that it's going to give me more of an outcome because as Reed Hoffman says, the founder of LinkedIn, more work is never the answer. And what reminds me, here's another great but simple moment that I found enlightening is just a couple weeks ago, I was dealing with something, my computer, there was an issue. I had to call Apple. Guess what? Surprise, surprise. I thought it would take 15 minutes. It took an hour and a half. So the old Chris many years ago would have then attacked the rest of the day in hysterics because yeah. I am behind <laughs> and I am stressed out. Yes. And so I lost, I lost all this time is robbed of me. And so everybody else after that, including myself would pay for it. So with my calendar laid out as my calendar time bank account and everything very clear and all my inventory of what has to be done is there. And again, I encourage you to do this in one hour blocks. I'm not talking about like a big to-do list on your calendar. It's about chunking time. So then I just looked at my day and tomorrow and said, okay, I lost an hour and a half. What can we move? Oh, you know what? I wanted to get that done, but it wasn't a priority. We'll move that to Thursday. Boom, boom, boom. So then when I resume in 15 minutes, I am still in a functioning, purposeful, you know, situation where I can get traction with the rest of the day instead of running around like a chicken with my wings flapping and not getting any flight. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So, so good. Um, how can a team really accelerate your business? I mean, what's is, you know, again, thinking into 2023 and beyond, you know, people are starting to think about what, you know, how can I scale my business? How can I take my business to a new level? How can team really support that? Well, you really, I, I think without it, you're just self-employed and it's very expensive support, uh, very expensive sport. You should have just stayed at your last job. But I, talk about often is, you know, team culture to me is very important. And so often people think that's something that falls into play when you have, you know, 25, 50 or 500 people. And I often give this example of, let's say you're on an ocean cruise and something happens. There's like 500 people on this uh, cruise liner and there's something going on. Something happens with the ship. You know, if you're you're an entrepreneur, you're going to look around, you're going to be able to figure out who's these functional, purposeful people. You're going to line themselves. You're like, we're going to get ourselves out of this situation. But out of 500 people, you might find 75, maybe 100 useful people, right? If you're in a rowboat with two or three other people and there's a hole in it or something happens, you better make sure that the everybody in that boat is highly functioning, right? <laughs> because we we have a lean team and we want this to work. And so to me, that's what I talk about too, is the culture and the amount that you put into setting up that team and team can be one person, two people, maybe three. But I want you to understand there's unbelievable effectiveness, efficiency, and power in a really tightly you know, created effective team that has a strong culture and is leaning heavily into super toolkits or systems and processes and using your calendars time bank account versus, you know, all this wastage that you hear companies complaining about or that you experience. We, most of us are here because we were in a, a job that we found redundant and we knew that nobody knew what they were doing and they're wasting time. And we didn't feel like we we're being fulfilled because they just weren't set up effectively. And so, you don't want to start that path. You can't afford to, but that's how you, that's, that's how it happens. And so you want to be really purposeful with your small team. No, I love that. And it's, I think something that often gets um, left aside and not even looked at as, as you know, you're thinking, okay, well, we're just, just a few of us. And really it's the, 
if, if you've got somebody who's really supporting you and showing up in your business, supporting your clients, you want them showing up in their brightest light as well. Yeah. And on my podcast, when they are, when the day, it's just general, we could talk about anything from sales to social media. I actually had somebody on my team on and I was interviewing them. And people often say to me like, oh, how do you get loyal people? And they won't treat your business and they'll, you know, they won't care and all this other stuff. And she said, right. And she'd never said it before. And she said it in the interview and she kind of, you know, laughed and felt a little bit embarrassed at first. She said, with the way that we are set up to work, she said, Chris, I feel like it's my company. I make a lot of decisions and everything's set up so beautifully. Like I don't, I don't get managed and supervised all day long. It's certainly not micromanaged. Right. So what happens is they start to treat it like they're really invested. And, you know, our turnover is unbelievably low. People, you know, almost will never leave unless it's something like an opportunity to go to college. Right. And not just me, but all my clients in the winter circle. So that's the thing. You get people that love their job and rise up for you like because you're just so inspired and it's a whole different way to work oh so good so good so where can people learn more about you and your your work yeah well for your listeners i have something on the free gift from chris k-r-i-s.com that's free f-r-e-e gift g-i-f-t from chris k-r-i-s.com a couple really cool things we just put in there um we've got this new uh quiz that gives you instant and actionable uh results it just takes two minutes so it's pretty cool we've worked really hard on that but i have something that's free that's a special gift that's not going to be there very long audio version of my book. So you might want to grab that right away. So it's free <laughs> gift from chris.com. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, then thank you for that free gift. That's awesome. I'm sure everybody will really enjoy that. The final question I always close with are what are three pearls of wisdom you would love to share with us? Three pearls of wisdom. Well, uh, let's see. I think that every day is a new day and you can do anything with that day. My mother always taught me, um, you know, it consider the source. So if you're about to make a decision, consider, do you want to be like that person in all aspects of that person? Um, before Facebook and all that stuff, she also told me, <laughs> I'm dating myself, she'd say, if you, well, I guess it's like Facebook now, but when I was younger, she'd say, if you wouldn't want to read about it in the paper, you shouldn't be doing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if they're business related, but they have guided my life in many ways. Uh, excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, Chris, this has been so much fun and thank you for sharing all your good wisdom. And I know it's going to be real timely for everybody as they're looking at their 2023. And I will say, yes, you should be planning in your 2023 right now. Um, so definitely um, do that. So thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Oh, thank you for trusting me with your audience. I appreciate you. Thank you. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you ready to raise up your voice, your visibility, and your business? I invite you to join the conversation in my Facebook group, Extraordinary Women Connect. This group brings together changemaker women entrepreneurs who want to elevate their business for impact. It is a place for powerful connections and collaborations. It is a place to be inspired, uplifted, and fired up for action. To learn more about my work that helps women entrepreneurs make heartfelt connections to mindful growth strategies, visit my website at camigelner.com. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.